All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, uh, episode number 202. Uh, it's your host, Tom Alamo. They call me Tommy Tahoe. Uh, super excited to come with this show for you. If you're new, uh, here's what we do here. We break down twice a week ways that young salespeople can have more successful, more lucrative, more fulfilling careers, right? So if you want to get promoted, if you want to make more money, if you want to have a better balance with your work life, uh, if you want to grow, um, you know, your skill set, you want to get better with psychology, whatever it might be, this is where we level up. This is where we grow. This is how we spend time to get better at the craft and ultimately have a better life. So um, I appreciate you coming on. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, and I've got a great interview for you today uh, with my friend, uh, GB, Gabrielle Blackwell. Uh, we are recent co-workers uh, at Gong. She's a, an SDR manager uh, for Gong. Uh, she also runs the very popular um, SDR hotline uh, with Sales Hacker, which is a live show where, where she talks about different topics uh, with a guest or guests every single week. Um, and we did this, we had this conversation in December, like right after, maybe a week after I signed my offer letter with Gong. So the news was fresh. Uh, it was exciting. And we got deep in this one. Um, to be honest, it we, we talk a little bit about sales. We talk a little bit about, um, you know, sales development, how to get better at the craft. But this is really one for the, this is an episode for the soul, let's say. Um, you know, we talk even just straight off the bat, we're talking about uh, philosophy. We're talking about, you know, the mind, body, and spirit that you need to be successful, right? How we're all tied together as humans, how, uh, how you feel about yourself and how you feel energy-wise is going to affect your your job performance is going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect everything, right? Um, and so we get we we talk about that. We talk about uh, tarot cards. Uh, we talk about the law of attraction. We talk about uh, surrounding yourself with a great environment. Uh, about being an, an empath, uh, which Gabrielle certainly is. And uh, you know we get we get deep into it all. She even told a story about how she went to vulnerability workshops so that. Uh, she could develop that skill, which I'd never even heard of before, but love the concept of it. So, um, man, if you want to learn more about any of that stuff, if you want to learn more about uh, your own self-worth and developing that, I mean, this is an episode that we don't get super tactical. We really focus on you as a person. And so if you are feeling the need to develop and grow as a human being, um, and want to relate with, with uh, someone that's really cool and really intelligent on all these different topics, uh, you're going to love this episode. I love talking to Gabrielle. Um, you should definitely go out and follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, check out what she's doing with the SDR hotline. Um, hit her up if you enjoyed this show. Um, for me, the one thing that you can do for this podcast before we get into the interview is head over to Apple. You can do a five-star review. Subscribe takes you 60 seconds, maybe not even that. And that's what helps this show grow. It helps me get better guests, put a ton of hours into the show. Uh, we have no sponsors right now. It's all about you know trying to get growth and trying to get a better guest and better uh, content for you. So that's the one way that you can help. Otherwise, share this out, Slack it to your team, uh, send it out on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm Tommy Tahoe on social media. Uh, you can also hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Tom Alamo. Otherwise, sit back, enjoy the show, uh, take notes, and hopefully this will help to fill up your cup as you continue on carrying through the week and continue to get after it. 
let's get straight into the conversation with Gabrielle Blackwell. Let's go. All right, GB, Gabrielle Blackwell, welcome to Millennial Sales. How are we doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing great. I'm energized by your hair. I'm ready yes. to do this thing. I'm excited. Yes, that's what it's here for. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we just uh, we just chatted about that. You know, we're going to be uh, co-workers in, um, you know, a couple of weeks. So as of like two days ago. So this was not even pre-planned uh, to do the podcast this week, but um, just funny timing that way. So I'm excited for that. All I'm saying is it was meant to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it. So I want to start with um, maybe a light question. I, I see you kind of uh, market yourself on LinkedIn as as the Sastress. Yes. Can you just, maybe I'm just like dumb, but can you just explain to me what, what like that means and, and why, why you call yourself <laughs> I, I don't think it has anything to do with being dumb whatsoever. Um, I was, uh, I got really into kind of like the esoteric metaphysical world. And part of that is magic with the K. And I was thinking about like enchantment or the enchantress, right? So like, these are, mm. these are things that I got really interested in outside of work. And it's something that I still hold dear to myself. And then stepping back into the workplace, I was thinking about, you know, just SaaS, like software as a service. And maybe I was just bored at home, but I was like, what can I do to like make myself laugh and put a smile on my face? And I was like, oh, SaaS, Enchantress, Sastress. And I, I had a good <laughs> old giggle and, I, and so I, I put it down um, and I was like, you know, let's, let's run with it, the sales development Sastress. So tell me more about this, uh, this kind of esoteric side. I, I know... Like when you said magic with a K, I, yeah. I completely lost every, you know, I, I don't know anything <laughs> about it. So teach me what, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not, I shouldn't say that I'm terribly proficient at magic, but like I got really into um, divination. So like tarot cards, oracle cards, um, uh, runes, anything, any kind of tools, like physical tools that you can use to start to get a perspective into the experience of life. So um, this really all started a few years ago where I wasn't working. I wanted to go to therapy, but I didn't have insurance and I didn't know about a sliding scale for therapy. So I was like, I'm going to have to figure out a different way to heal and to comfort myself. Um, and I found myself in these metaphysical stores that had crystals and stones that you know the whole thought was everything is energy these stones and these crystals have energies and so the combination of like the stone with my own energy can start to cultivate something that could be healing or calming or soothing or whatever that is and as I was in these stores I started seeing these divination tools as well and I was like well what would happen if I started to ask questions and flipped a card and got a perspective from this card that can help me to better understand um what is this moment trying to make me more aware of hmm. so there was just like there was those were those were the things that i was doing and so i i started to dab a little bit more into like what is like magic with a k right there's like of course there's like the harry potter kind of depiction of magic yeah. and there's the wands and things like that but even thinking about again like going back to an energy or even thinking about the words that we use if we if we um, accept the belief that words have power, right? So whether that's affirmations to build oneself up or words have the power to 
cripple someone emotionally, then we can start to harness like that power of words in a positive direction. We can start to um, create rituals and routines that help us get into a better place. We can, you know, I think like, you know, even in meditating, right? And, and sending energy towards someone to say, hey, listen, I'm thinking of you. I love you. I hope you're doing well. And to start to harness that and even visualize that love being sent to someone regardless of the distance. Like this to me is kind of the, the practice of magic that I got into. And I think it's really, you know, uh, it's it's a really profound thought around matching, you know, understanding that everything's energy, right? And there's mm -hmm. a lot of different, I think, variations of the way that people can kind of, um, you know, relate to that, whether it's, you know, through a spiritual lens, through, you know, uh, what you're talking about, through, you know, meditating, through, you know, what people call the law of attraction, all these different yeah. kind of ways that I feel like are all on the same kind of, same kind of uh, threshold of, you know, the there's, things that are bigger than me that are out there. There's energies, mm. there's wavelengths, mm. you know, the way that I present myself matters, the way that I talk matters, the way that mm -hmm. I, you know, do things matters. And the, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, if you put positive energy out there, you might receive positive energy. And if you treat people well, and if you're very specific with your language, your physical language, mm -hmm. your body language, all of that stuff kind of adds up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, one thing that you mentioned was, you know, routines or uh, habits or anything like that. So I'm curious how you use some of these different practices, if there's something that you do daily or weekly or every once in a while that helps you, you know, just kind of remember that you get out of like the thousand emails in your inbox and remember kind of the spiritual side and, and helps you stay on track and feel more Ooh. connected. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I haven't had as much of a, of a routine or a ritual recently. Um, but before I go there, I think if I were to sum up the belief, right? Like, Hey, energy, attraction, all these other things. I think if we accept that we're all connected, that there's no such thing as separation, right? This is kind of, this mm. is this is a little bit deeper, yeah. but like if we recognize that there is truly no such thing as separation, that separation is but an illusion. And the only reason that we might see a difference is, uh, I read this in on uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements, right? Mm. He's like, the only reason why you start to see difference, the difference between the table and the floor so that you know not to stub your toe on the table. So there could be like a safety mechanism. But if we are not aware of the ways that we start to separate ourselves as people, like that's when we start to see I think these breaks or these splits, right, in our consciousness and our awareness on the collective and universal level. So, like right now, super polarized, right? Especially after the elections, or probably still there, or maybe it's just been the, his the history for the past 200, 300 years or so. But if we are, if we consider ourselves separate or different, yet there is this truth that we're all connected, that we all are our brothers and our sisters' keepers. Um, then that might be one of the reasons why we start to see like, you know, public health decline or the global health decline, those kind of things. But back to the rituals and the routine <laughs> um, is I, for, for myself, like there's like one routine that's super simple, which is like, what is going to help me get up and look forward to my day? So um, this is something I, I have been doing since I was in sales when I started, uh, when I was 24, that was like six years ago almost, um, which was. I want to start, I want to like get in front of my desk 
30, 45 minutes before I'm ever expected to do anything, before I'm expected to be in a meeting. Um, and maybe an hour before I'm expected to go on a meeting, I'm going to make myself a hot drink, like a tea. I stopped drinking coffee recently. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink a tea. I'm going to take the time to journal. I'm going to reflect on, hey, like what, like what is it that I really want to hold space for today? So there's certain things like that. Um, a few years ago when I was having, I was like really, really stressed out from work. Um, it was an, like just a ball of anxiety. And one of the exercises that I did at the end of the day was think through <clears throat> what are like three really good things that happened today? Like, what are three things that I was super grateful for today? Like, what are three things that I want to introduce tomorrow? Um, there's another, there's, there's other things that I'll kind of recommend for folks. So if someone is like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the role for me. I don't know if I'm feeling good about things. Like I, I feel like I'm an imposter, right? I'll kind of recommend three questions to ask on a daily basis or an every other day basis, which mm. is <clears throat> when did I feel most like myself today, right? Like that ideal self, that best self. When did I feel the most like myself today? What was I doing when I felt that way? And like, what was I doing right before that? And so if we start to document what those are, over time, we can start to get, we can start to see the patterns and the trends. So for me, I was like, oh, I feel my best when I wake up and I take a shower and, you know, and I listen to music um, and I'm not in a rush to start my day. Like mm -hmm. that's how I get into my zone. Um, I like myself most when I am expressing myself authentically and I'm not biting my tongue. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not betraying myself. So um, those are those are the kind of like rituals I think I I take to start to gain a better I get just to cultivate a deeper sense of self awareness and what is actually going to support me in the long in the long run. Um, if I think about like the kind of esoteric metaphysical side, for um, I don't feel as though I, I I need to indulge in doing a tarot card reading every single day for myself. Um, but like a couple of weeks ago, definitely definitely have like some kind of daddy issue trigger. And I was like, I need to figure, like, I was like, I, I was like, I, I, and I, cause I felt myself ruminating over and over and over again, um, incessantly, like I couldn't stop thinking about this one thing. And so with that, I, I did take the time to ask the question, like, what am I being asked to become more aware of now? Right. And I'll draw a card. So anytime that I find myself kind of ruminating or stewing on the same thing over and over again, um, and not coming to a resolution, I'm like, let me take a step back from this mental exercise of thinking about it and really tap into more of an intuitive, like illogical side of things that a tarot card reading could provide. Mm -hmm. And so let's, let's say that someone's listening there, they're intrigued by what you're saying. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes, like I was kind of bringing up before, we can just get kind of stuck in the day-to-day, -day, right? You can get stuck mm -hmm. on your to-do list. You can get stuck on your quota, on your tasks, on, you know, just the things that, you know, need to get done um, and mm -hmm. forget about the bigger picture and not take care of yourself and not, um, you know, really set yourself up to have a good day or a good week because you're just, you know, kind of bulldozing into, you know, whatever your to-do list is. So if someone was listening to this and they were like, oh, this is interesting, but mm -hmm. what she's saying is like, you know, a 5.0 level. And I'm like a beginner. Like what would be the first yeah. step that someone might want to take? Ooh, good question. I, here's, I, I think here is a, uh, a phrase to contemplate on and meditate on, right? Because at the end of the day, 
I think the actions have to align to, right, what, what's the phrase? Uh, thoughts, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I put, I, so that was something I, I contemplated on for a, like for a while, a couple years ago. And I was like, okay, well, where are even the thoughts coming from? And like thoughts are really coming from a belief of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. So if we go back to what our beliefs are, I think that's where we can start to see like, are the beliefs that I'm carrying ones that are in service towards this bigger vision for this bigger vision that I am in service to for myself, like for, for whatever it is, like, is, are the beliefs that I carry in service to the, to the higher vision that I hold for myself? And so for me, like, that's what started everything. So like, you don't have to do tarot cards. You don't have to do Oracle readings. You don't, honestly, you don't have to read the Bible, right? If it's not for you, mm-hmm. but I would say is like, for me, one belief that I had was that there was something that was wrong with me, um, that I was, um, that I was unworthy, that I was like a bad person. And so I had like my actions, my behaviors, like I was doing really, really well in work, but I wasn't actually taking care of myself. I didn't think I, I didn't think I was deserving of it. Mm. So I would say, just go back to the belief. So you had mentioned like, Hey, you know, like we can get so caught up in the day to day that we're not taking care of ourselves. One of the things I tell my team is, Hey, listen, if you like, listen, no work will get taken care of. If you are not taken care of, like you have to take care of yourself Mm. first. Because every, say that, say that one more time. <laughs> yes. So it is, it's like, listen, in order to take care of anything or anyone else, you have to be taken care of first. Mm. That's, that's the thing. So I think that is the, like, that's the start, right? That's the belief that I had to cultivate in myself. And granted, I, I got, I cultivated that belief from, <laughs> from a pretty uh, intense, like, you know, mental wreckage that I found myself in a few years yeah. ago. And I, but from that wreckage, right? Like, you know, there's the crash that happens and I came out of it and I was like, no, this makes a lot of sense. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't paying attention to myself. Um, I just tried to bulldoze my way through the day, uh, disconnected from what was going on with me mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, so I was like, listen, no amount of effort, no amount, no, no amount of money or work or, you know, like hours spent at work is going to make up for the fact that, Hey, maybe you need eight hours of sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And, yeah. and how, how, how important is environment to you? And, and the reason I ask is, you know, when we chatted a few weeks ago, you, it was like the first day that you changed your office from your bedroom to, I think the living room or, or wherever yeah. you are. And I see, you know, you've got, you know, all these plants behind you, you've got, you know, the, the pink hair, you got the cool earrings. So like, can you tell me a little bit Thank about you. like the environment and also like, I guess, you know, being able to show your authentic self, uh, I guess maybe is the best way to put it of like, you know, dressing how you want and maybe mm. talking how you want and yes. doing the things that you want, right? You know, like, can we I talk need about that to. a little bit? I need to talk the way that I talk. Like that's, I think before anything else, that's the one thing I knew about myself is I mm-hmm. like, I, cause so I'll, I'm, I'm going to go through a tangent. So I can just, y'all are tapping that's what we're here for. So yes. Um, I, so I grew up in a, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, of Chicago called Schaumburg, Illinois. And uh, so it's just, you know, it's like Midwest, but still pretty urban, right. Or mm-hmm. pretty suburban, I should say. 
um, I went to school at University of Chicago where it's funny like, people started were making fun of my accent because they're like I kind of had a little bit of a, of a Chicago accent at the time and most of my friends were from like California or New York or they were from Miami right so like by just virtue of being around them the way that I spoke was a little bit different and then I moved to France I lived in Paris for two years I was speaking nothing but French I actually lost like lost my English it was hard for me to speak mm. English for a while and even like phonetically, like the way that you speak in French is very pulled in, while English is kind of is wider. So um, just the way that I talk sound, sounds much different, right? So I'm like the abilities. And also I have all of these experiences, meeting all these different people, like even learning a different language that started to impact how I spoke in French. So for me, I'm like the ability to speak authentically, the words that I choose, the cadence, like the rhythm in which I speak, like this to me tells a story like this is a representation of the experiences that I've had the places I've been like where I'm from even so like that's something that I always knew was super important for me I think the next part of this was like all right hey like how can I find my own authentic language so when I speak like I can speak like I, I can speak from my heart and it just resonates throughout my whole body. I'm not nervous when I'm talking. So that was always something that I, I, I that's something I really aspired to grow into. Um, I, I don't think it was until the past few years though, that I started to think through what does, like, what do I need? Like, what are like, what are my, what are my mm -hmm. deal breakers, right? Like, what are the things that if these were to happen, if these were present, I cannot be here. Like. I cannot be in an environment where someone yells at me at work. Mm -hmm. That's not, it's not going to work. I remember the last company I was at, somebody yelled at me in a, in a, um, in a meeting. And I was just like, and I told my boss, I was like, am I I'm like, is this what I should expect from moving forward? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, if this is what I should expect, I'm leaving. Mm. So I was like, if, and if you're okay with that, then I should probably just resign tomorrow. But like, if this is something that you don't agree with, I, I, I would like to see changes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like for me, like I, I, I learned that I needed that the hard way. So like I also, so what I recognize is like, I'm definitely more of a sensitive, like empathetic person or like kind of an empathic person. Mm -hmm. um, the environment around me, like I get, I can be easily impacted by that. So I'm like, all right, I need to be in an environment that of course is safe and secure, but I also need to be in an environment where I can advocate for myself. I can have that conversation and I'm not called like too sensitive or a baby or whatever. Um, it's funny. I had a meeting yesterday uh, with some of the SDRs in the segment that I'm in and they had just done something that I was super proud of. And I <laughs> looked like for real, like started tearing up. I was like, I don't know why I'm so emotional, <laughs> but like, I, I really am like a sensitive, emotional person, not, uh, not hysterical. Right. But I was like, in me expressing pride in such a like kind of visceral way or in me expressing love or compassion in such a visceral way I was like that requires a very safe and nurturing environment um so you know that I think that's something that I get a lot from gong right so that's that's cultivated mm. by leadership that's cultivated especially from my boss Willie Pearson that's cultivated by the, the leadership and SDR management, right? My peers and from the people who are there. And if I think about just like my house, like where I live right now, um, when I'm around my plants, I'm like, there's life, right? We talk about how mm. everything is energy. And so 
like these plants are in, like the, there's an energy that's there. I can touch my plants and I can kind of feel a vibration to them. If they're wilted, I'm like, okay, I know that you need water. If they're yellowing, I'm like, all right, there might be a, an issue with the pot or with the roots, those kind of things. So I think there's an opportunity for me to just like commune with life and be connected. And in, in having that, I feel a lot more at home. I love that. And that, you know, you remind me a lot of, um, of my fiance, just in the, the way of being super empathic, like just, it, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to relate sometimes, or it's getting easier, but at the beginning, um, you know, because she does feel things so deeply, you know, whether, you know, like we'll walk by, you know, someone that is, you know, we'll walk to the grocery store and we'll see like, you know, homeless person, uh, yeah. you know, on the street. And that's obviously sad. And, you know, I feel bad, but you know, a minute later, I'm like thinking about what I'm going to get at the grocery. And like, mm -hmm. you know, 20 minutes later, she'd be like, like, what, what do you think his story is? Like, what, what yes! can we do for him? <laughs> like, uh, like, let's get him some, let's get him a sandwich or something. Oh my God. That's exactly, no, that's exactly what I do. I'll, no, I'll be walking down the street and, and I'll, and that's it. I, I remember when I was in France, um, I, I really do enjoy people watching. So yeah. <laughs> I would, I would just like sit in a cafe and I would watch people like, I, I would watch people walk by, or maybe I'm walking down the street. And I remember seeing a woman who was, must've just been on her smoke break. And she was like, she was crying hysterically. She was yelling on her phone. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, like, I just want to give you a hug. Like, I wonder what happened. I'm, like, I'm not mm -hmm. going to be that stranger on the street right? who does that. Of yeah. Course. Um, but I remember, I remember going to the grief workshop a couple of years ago. And so the, there was an example of, um, cause living in Portland, Oregon, where homelessness is like very prevalent. Um, you know, the opioid crisis is like very in your face. And so we were talking about even grieving for that to be like, all right, how, how can we grieve in, in the suffering, right. Of, of the people around us, of our, like our fellow men and women, um and what can we do about it so whether it's like hey like giving money of course but even the idea of like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna sink into my heart chakra and i'm just gonna beam like i'm gonna, I'm gonna visualize a, a beam of green light like going towards mm -hmm. them to say i love you right so i'm a hundred percent that person me and your fiance could hang out <laughs> i know i know i was thinking i might need to make an introduction she's in sales too so it's uh I think she she uses that like to her advantage too, yes. um, in like a way of like being able to connect with mm -hmm. you know she's more of like an you know like an AE like handling relationships and things like that. So like the way that she builds bonds with people is just like you know I I can't even fathom like just so much better than I am at at doing a lot of those things. And I think it's just because she can break that down and like relate and really understand mm. where people are coming from and find that like point of like, you know, I'm like you in this way, like that point of connection with people. Yeah. And so I think that's like, you know, it, it it's uh, useful, I guess, in your, in your day-to-day -day life. And it, it's, you know, part of what makes you, you, but it is helpful in a sales context too, of like it's, being able yeah. to build those, those relationships and connections and uh, you know, being able to express that with people. I think there's something here. I think everybody has the ability to connect in those ways. It's, mm. That's what I truly do believe because like I am, I do feel very strongly, but I, I denied that for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in an environment where, you know, like my mom was like, oh, you're so sensitive, Gabrielle. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, you know, like, like, 
I was like, I don't know. And then, you know, like, it's now, a bad thing. <laughs> it, like, it's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, now, again, like, I'm 30 now, and my mom will be like, oh, Gabrielle, you're so sensitive. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's beautiful, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's just owning it, though. That's just, yeah. It. So, you know, like, I'm like, I'm, you know, like, I, I'm like, I'm willing to possess those at those kind of like attributes about myself. Um, and something that really helped me was uh, allowing myself to, how to put this, accept vulnerability as a truly human characteristic. So like if vulnerable, like in being vulnerable, right, I can invite somebody else to be vulnerable with me. And if you can feel comfortable, right, and you can feel secure and you can feel safe and you can feel heard and acknowledged and seen, you might share more with me than you would with somebody else who has a little bit of their guards up or has to, it feels as though they have to present themselves in a certain way. So in me just being, I think like authentic and vulnerable. And again, like I will, I, it's not all the time. I'm not like a hysterical crier, but like yesterday I'm like getting ready to cry in this meeting and I'm like, oh man, but that also allows, I think people to see like, wow, she really cares. Like mm -hmm. this isn't a front, you know, and, and it was very genuine. Right? I'm not going to be crying all the time, but in, in that yeah. moment, right. Or if I'm like, I think, I think it helps me a lot being in a, in a leadership position and having folks who are, you know, um, like, really, like I'm someone who's a steward of like a group of other people's success. So even in that, you know, sometimes with the people that I'm working with, it's not a matter of there's a, a missing skill that's keeping them from being at a, a level of you know um, acceptable performance as much more to do with like what's going on with them outside of work, right? Like mm. there might be so something going on with their mom, with their family, or there might be something there where they don't see themselves as capable of doing something. And so in that, I, I need to share a story or I need to demonstrate, hey, listen, like, I recognize that you might feel alone in this. You're not. How about I share a story of how like I was dealing with something very, very similar. Um, and here's what helped. Not sure if this is going to help with you, but like, here's the experience that I was having. Here's how I felt at that time. And then me bringing words to the situation that can then give somebody else the ability to articulate what's happening with them. And by yeah. them articulating, right, that might then give them the ability to better advocate for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. And you see, so, you know, in my mind, like that's, you know, vulnerable, authentic leadership, right? And I, mm -hmm. you know, we were chatting a, a few weeks ago and you brought up that, you know, you at some point, I think a few years ago, went to some sort of a vulnerability workshop or yep. multiple workshops. And yes. I thought that was so interesting because I, I guess I didn't even know that existed. And yeah. I love reading, um, you know, around vulnerability and leadership, like Brene Brown, I think is, is probably mm -hmm. the foremost person, at least that I know that that writes and, and talks about that. But I'd love yep. to hear know more about your experience with that workshop and you yeah. know, what you learned from that experience. Um, I'm trying to, I, so yeah, there were these, um, I was living in New York, right. And I was like scrolling through Facebook or something and I saw, something that was like, you know, some group for empaths. And I, you know, it's all about like, let's break these emotional bonds that we have that might not be serving us. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I've got like an ex-husband. I've got like a dad who wasn't around. Like, let's cut yeah. these bonds. I'm here for it. <laughs> and so, uh, and so by the end of this, uh, the end of this meeting, um, there was a woman there, Veronica, who 
was like, oh, I'm starting up this group called Vulnerable AF and we're, we're just going to be, we're going to be, it's a, it's a vulnerability workshop. And so the way that um, people would describe it was, you know, like you can go to the gym to get stronger, right. And to build your endurance, but you can also, you can go to vulnerable AF essentially to kind of like get stronger Mm -hmm. and being vulnerable and being vulnerable. So I felt like I just learned more than anything else. I got exposed to different exercises um, that I could do to start becoming more vulnerable. So I remember there was this one session that we did and there was an exercise called let it rip. And it's like, you can one, you get paired up and, uh, and each person gets five minutes uninterrupted to just go off whatever it is. And so for me, I remember going through the session and I, I just started talking and I got to, I, I mentioned my dad, but I got to something about my dad and I just realized I was like, this is such a terrible relationship. Like why, you know, and I, and I, and after that exercise, I recognized, I was like, oh, wow, that was the first time that I think I actually spoke honestly about how I felt and in mm. being radically honest, I could then start making, I could start making decisions that were better suited for me. Right. So I'm like, wow, this is not a healthy relationship. Like, wow, this is so straining. And I've been depressed about it for over a decade. And I'm so tired of carrying this feeling with me. And I, after, so after that session, I was like, oh, wow. Like, no, I I was really honest for the first time, like for forever. Now, what, like, what am I going to do with that? And so Mm -hmm. just like, that's what I was exposed to was now that I'm being vulnerable. Now I have a better direction of like the decisions that I can make, the choices that I make, the people that I kind of allow into and invite into my space in, in me being very honest and very vulnerable with myself, right? I was like, I can start to cultivate a space that is so much more supportive of who I just intrinsically am. Um, and so, and then, so like, that's what the workshop really allowed for me to do. Um, after I like left New York, I came back home to like right outside of Chicago. I actually started doing, um, I was like, I, I, I like, vulnerability was still like this nebulous thing to me so like I was journaling all the time and if I had a feeling that I didn't know what to do with I I would actually like create a character in my journal and I would tell myself a story I was like okay well who is vulnerability into the picture that I had in my head I was like vulnerability it's like that kind of um like that uh wall butterfly at the party who like seems kind of I was like kind of sad not really sure really curious about them and I just realized I was like wow I don't really know that much about vulnerability there's not there hasn't been that many models of vulnerability for me so I actually did like over the course of a month or two I interviewed 50 people I should have recorded them and done a podcast but I didn't do that I should have I should have (laughs) um but I took notes because I just I was like Mm. I personally don't have that much exposure to what it means to be vulnerable. And so, you know, I can listen to all of the Brene Brown TED talks and read all of her books. And like, it's still going to be this disconnected thing for me. So I started to just listen to other people. I just started to listen to everyone's stories about what vulnerability meant for them. And then also like what vulnerability, um, what vulnerability allowed for them to experience they might not have ever experienced prior to then so I was talking Mm. to one of my mom's friends uh, this guy named Mike Knox he's like "Mm," I would imagine like mid-40s early 50s um kind of you know uh, 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 a physical trainer and um and so I'm like you know here's like this big old buff dude talking about vulnerability and I'm just and he like he was telling me about a journey of 
he's like, I never wanted to show my feelings. I never wanted to show my emotions, like even in relationships, right? Like with him, he thought that he always had to keep a distance and then somebody broke his heart, right? And, yeah. um, and, he, and so, you know, and he was all, and he was all of, in his emotions. So, you know, fast forward however many years it is and he meets his, um, his now wife. They've been, mar- been happily married for like 12, 13 years. And he's like, when they first started dating, he was still trying to be like that distant kind of disconnected person. And what his wife had shared with him was like, listen, the only way that this relationship works is if you talk to me, right? Like, so they would start to kind of introduce um, tradition. So maybe it's like once or twice a week, they would spend time talking about emotions. And like, he would tell me like, you know, like he's like, I went in kicking and screaming and every day she was patient with me and she was curious about me. And he's like, and just over time, I started, he, what he said to me is like, he's like, over time, I started to fall in love with the idea that somebody loved me that hmm. much. And he's like, and he's like, and that's what really allowed him to open up and have a very fulfilling relationship. And I was like, that's so beautiful. Like, I was like, I can do hmm. that. So like yeah. that, that's like, that was my journey of like being exposed to vulnerability first with myself and being honest with myself and what that allowed me to do. And the second part of that was a more like aspirational visionary piece of things, which was, I was like, oh, wow, like it is possible for me, like somebody who comes from, you know, like my mom's a single mom who's like super like works all the time, um, whose dad was not around kind of thing. Like I was like, for someone in that situation to think like, all right, I'm not worried. They can't have relationships, blah, 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 blah. And so for me, it was just like a, it was a kind of like a watershed moment of like, oh no, it's possible. And like my past like what's happened in the past isn't going to dictate my future. It's really going to be what I allowed myself to experience. And part of what I'm going to allow myself to experience is going to be driven or could be opened up that much more by being vulnerable. Wow. I love all of that. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, right. So you, you're doing all of this work on yourself. You're learning Ooh. about all these different topics, right? You, Ooh. <laughs> went to university of, you went to university of Chicago, which to my uh, my understanding is that's like a borderline Ivy League school, right? Yeah. I mean, you might be humble and say no, but yeah, you're nodding and studied public policy. You lived in France. You're living in all these places. Yeah. So like my this this may seem like a question I left field, but like, why are you in sales? Why? 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 <laughs> like, how does that how did that even happen? And like, you know, why is that? Why is that the path that you've chosen? I'm just curious. No, the past chose me. That's what I <laughs> think. I was like, I didn't, I, uh, I, I, I just started mentoring and I was talking to, um, to one of my mentors, Leanne yesterday, and it was her first time meeting up and, uh, she was telling about her journey into where she's at right now. She's an SDR, um, at a tech company. And I was shout telling her Leanne. about my shout out to Leanne. She's dope. I love her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And yeah, so she was telling me about her journey and then I shared with her uh, my journey. I was like, no, there's my interview answer as to like why sales, which was like, oh, you know, I wanted to be a CEO and like yeah. where CEOs start their careers off sales, right? A lot of them do. Um, so I'm like, that's like the, I'm not hiring answer. you for anything. So <laughs> I know. Right. So I just, I like to preface that. Right. I'm like, that's my yeah. interview answer. What the true story is, is I couldn't get a job anywhere else. I was so desperate. Um, <laughs> so like. I, I, I was, I was like, I, I graduated university of Chicago. I, I thought before I graduated, I was like, I'll probably go into law or consulting or politics. Right. By the time I graduated, I was like, I don't want to do law. 
I don't want to do politics. I moved abroad. I lived there for a couple of years. I came back um, and I was like, okay, cool. I could do consulting. Started to look for jobs in consulting. They're like, listen, like you are not eligible for our recent grad programs because you've been graduated for too long. And I didn't have any experience. That's just like babysitting and nannying in Paris. So, um, so I was like, okay, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I mean, I, I, before sales, I thought I was like, okay, I can get into like, I can get into something with people. I was like, I really like people, maybe people ops, HR, recruiting, something like that. Couldn't get a pass. I couldn't get past the phone screen <laughs> to save my mm-hmm. life. And, and that's really like, I was like, I, if I, if I went through like 20 some phone screens in a matter of two weeks and I was like, I'm getting nowhere. I had no money. I was living in my uncle's basement. My family was tripping. I was like, I need to, mm-hmm. I need to get things started. Like, this is not <laughs> a joke right now. I was in full on survival mode. Um, and, and so that's when I was like, okay, well, what am I really working towards? And that was the thought of like, okay, I see myself as you know, running an organization, whether that's something that I, you know, it's my own entrepreneurial pursuit, or if it's me inheriting a company. Um, And and so like, that's where it's like, hey, like, let's do sales. Like, let's, because it's either going to be like sales or finance. And I'm like, I don't want to do finance that much. I know for sure. So I was like, I can talk to people. And I'll be honest, like, I can, I still have, I still remember looking at the screen, seeing the um the job description for the SDR position at Cloudwords which was my first SDR role right and like I just saw cold calling and cold emailing and I remember thinking to myself what has happened like is (laughs) I was like I was like I was like what is my life right now and I was like this is the absolute last resort for me like I was like Mm. like, if this doesn't work out it's like I don't know what's gonna happen and so I I applied on a Wednesday. I submitted my resume on a Wednesday. I had my phone uh, phone screen on a Monday, on site on no phone screen on a Friday. Uh, met my boss, my two B boss on a Monday, and I started that Wednesday. It was a one week turnaround. So like, and then after that, I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm all I'm like I, I have to make it work. The end. And then it, and then it's like a month or two later, I was in like the number one SDR. I was crushing records. Um, I was in my, I was in my zone. I was like, oh, I can be really good at this. So like mm-hmm. that's, that's the story. Like that's how I got there. It's just like wandering through the dark, like bumping my way through and like end up at sales. Cause that was like the only door that, it, that was open. Um, and like, yeah, it's like five, six years later. And now I'm like managing an SDR team at Gong. I think it did pretty well. Yeah. Killing it. You're killing it. <laughs> so, um, through that career track too, I've I've seen you post about this before, um, talking about your first management role, and um, I can tell you personally when I saw I you know, had a role for eighteen months where I was a player coach, and um, it's so much harder than than mm-hmm. it looks you know on paper or than you think you know you you kind of have that assumption when you start like does my boss even do anything all day long and then you yeah. start meeting people and it's like you know the hardest thing ever. So I'd love to hear, you know, some of the mistakes and some of the challenges you had in, in that first management role or, or even first few. First, I mean, I'm still in a few, right? Um, I, I'm still learning so much about, um, I guess, like, who do I wish to be as a leader in sales? Um, 
And if I think back to when I was an SDR, like, um, from, okay. So for me, I'm like, I'm gonna be successful no matter what, like that's, mm. that is my MO. And so reg- like if I'm in an environment where someone really like, you know, there's a lot of resources, it's like, great, wonderful. If there's none, I'm like, I'll figure this stuff out and like, give me a month or two, I'll kill it. I'll come back and like build out a program for everybody else. Cool. So as a like so that was like that was my mo as an sdr like as an ic i was like i'm gonna figure this stuff out and i'm gonna get really good at doing what's expected of me as i'm like switching into a manager mode though like for me there was one thing where i'm like oh we need to hit this number like honestly i could hit this number better than the two people combined could Mm -hmm. so there so it's like I didn't go and do the work, right? But I'm like, that's like, like that's like the chasm that has to be crossed. Is it's no longer about me getting the job done. It's about me enabling and empowering people to be able to get things done in a much more effective way. In a much more effective way. So like, I'm trying to think. I had like taken notes. I'm in this like executive coaching something program through Corn Ferry. And the, actually, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like the quote is like, it's no longer about me doing things. It really is about me enabling folks to be able to do more. I'm responsible now for distilling my experience given talents, right? Like I, the only difference between me and somebody on my team is experience, only difference. So I'm like, what I need to do is be able to start to think through what did my experience afford me um, that that the folks on my team might not be aware of, right? And then teach them those kind of things. So like, I'm not telling, I'm not catching the fish for them. I'm teaching them how to fish. So like that, it's it's like, it hasn't been until like the past few months that I really made that that connection um, was like, oh, I need to teach them how to be like the number one rep, right? And like, I have to, so number one, I need to like recognize I was really good at my job, but it's not about me being good at the SDR job. It's about how well can I get them to perform at that exact same level? And what does that take for me? What does that require of me in order to get them to that place? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people will just talk about what they used to do and talk about the good old days, right? And so it's not what I'm interpreting from that is like, it's not about you saying, Hey, well, when I was an SDR, here's what I did. And I was so great, mm-hmm. but it's about trying to, or even doing the work for them and saying, Oh man, mm-hmm. that email sucks. Like, let me rewrite that for you. Um, you know, taking the time and it takes more time to do it this way. It's probably a lot more frustrating mm-hmm. to do it this way. It takes a lot more patience, but actually staying with them, sticking in it with, you know, the people on your team and helping them learn mm-hmm. the skills and learn the mindset. Yeah. Successful. Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean, my grandfather, he was um he was a sales leader at IBM for a while and mm-hmm. um and so, you know, like I I would call I call him to ask him about like to ask him advice on leadership. And one of the things that he shared with me, he's like he's like, "Gab, things really really changed for me when I recognized that instead of having two hands, I had 10." Right? Mm-hmm. He's like, "I could do so much more now." So, um like I'll, I'll give examples. Like it's uh, whether it's spending time, like like okay, I have a couple of people on my team where last week, for example, we launched uh, a new sequence um, that's been doing pretty well, and so people are getting responses, and they're like, hey, how do I respond? So for two days, I like you know, I, I, for two days for those few people, I spoke to them maybe three or four times a day, right? We do a screen share, we walk through it, but what's up happening is like we're essentially just workshopping. I'm not doing the work for them. I'm workshopping with them. I'm like, 
all right, cool. Like, let's pull up the email, right? And like, let's talk through what this email is really sharing with us, like providing that context, providing that awareness more than anything else. And then it's like, hey, getting in the fact that we have this awareness, here's why this kind of response is going to be something that could, that could provide a more productive response from our prospect. And so like, it's like, you're right, maybe we do that a couple of times to reinforce it, but then from there, they're good. And I don't hear from them for a few days. And in mm. the meantime, they each book like five meetings. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I was like, I could do that work for them. One, and we, right, I could, I'm like, I could do the work for them or, right, we can really take the time to walk through, here's why this is important. Like, here's the context to know. It's not just a matter of like, hey, here's the template, go and use it. But like, let's really walk through why this is important, like why we're phrasing things the way that we're phrasing them, why we're paying attention to this one objection here um, versus, you know, this kind of nebulous information that this guy had. So, or like, why are we not asking for a meeting right now, but instead we're asking a clarifying question. So like, I think just giving them the awareness or providing them the ability to, to see that as an option that they can explore, that's, that's something that's interesting. And I feel like it's, gonna, it's also empowering because then what's up happening is they get five meetings each. They're on the leaderboards and the people, the rest of the team goes, oh, what are Ashley and Lana doing? And they go and talk to them. Mm. So you have this multiplier effect that happens. And there's another example of this where um, there are some, uh, there's going to be some changes happening internally, just in like what a pairing between an SDR and an AE looks like. We can try as management just to say this change is happening the end, Right. We can try and cultivate, we can try and bring everybody in the SDR team together and say, hey, here's what this change is going to happen. Or we can create essentially like a, an SDR kind of leaders council within the segment called the Tiger Team. There's two SDRs per like respective SDR team who are coming together and they're going to be the voices of the entire, of the, of the SDR segment that I'm in. Um, and we can start to talk through like, hey, like here are some proposed changes. What do you think? go and talk to the rest of the team. And so if we can, essentially, if we can get their buy-in, then they can go and quote unquote sell, right? Sell that to the rest of the team because they're the ones who are really going to be the interface in between management, right? Director level, the front lines, like that's going to be the connective tissue. So like we could have tried to do this without instilling a, a tiger team and things like we would have like probably implemented the change and it would have been like a shock to the system. But now like we have SDRs who are able to go back to their teams and go, hey, like here, I feel you, I hear you. I'm on the same level as you. We're all going through this together and I was not bought in, but now I am. And here's what that journey was for me. Yeah, I love it. And as we're wrapping up, can you can you talk a little bit about some of the cool things you're doing with the SDR hotline, which I think is through Sales Hacker, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but I know you've been doing that is. for a little bit and you have some cool stuff planned for uh, Black History Month in February too. So if you could kind of hype that up a little bit. Yes, yes. I'm gonna hype I'm gonna hype it up. Okay. So <laughs> SDR hotline through the sales hacker. What I the vision that I have, the vision that I wish, you know, that I hope the SDR hotline is in, is in service to is um, sharing a message of empowerment, um, self-advocacy, right, and, and awareness. Like, these are the things that I truly, it, it was like, this is not necessarily about just tips and tactics, right, but it's much more about, hey, like, who are we as people? How does that influence how we engage in our workplace? And regardless of where we come from or what experience that we have, we all possess like the abilities to 
advocate for ourselves, to empower ourselves. And in doing that, we can be that much more successful wherever we go. So like that is truly what the SDR hotline is in service to. And so for February, knowing that it's Black History Month at that time, and me being the pink haired black woman that I am, I was like, <laughs> I want to have, I, I, I was like, I, I want to speak with, um, I want to speak with other black sales professionals who I admire and respect and just have a conversation with them, like really about whether it is uh, their journey to like where they're at right now, what the challenges were that they faced, um, like what helped them along the way. And so the, the folks that we have here are um, Roderick Jefferson. So sales, uh, sales enablement uh, professional, uh, Larry Long Jr., who is what, like the brightest, most energetic person you'll ever meet, Chantel George, who, um, who's actually the lead, the creator of uh, Sisters in Sales. And so she I also, she's over at, at LinkedIn as well. And then we have Morgan Ingram from John Barrow, who will be on as well. So yeah, that is the lineup for February. That's awesome. And um, yeah, I, I, kudos to you for doing the hotline for adding that value and, and for uh, getting that great group of people together for, for February. Um, as we're wrapping up here, where, you know, first of all, everyone go out, go to LinkedIn right now, add her on uh, LinkedIn, Gabrielle GB Blackwell, um, follow her post. She's got great posts. Check out the SDR hotline. What that it, I wrote that down Friday, 11 AM central time. Um, yes. what, where else can people connect with you? Honestly, I'm just on LinkedIn. <laughs> anything else? Anything else is too much for me to handle. But um, I, I'm I'm typically great on LinkedIn. That's awesome. Well, I I appreciated this conversation. This was so much fun, and um, man, we got deep. We got deep. We did, yeah, we did. I was, was like, good. I didn't. I was like, well, yeah, woke up on a Wednesday. I'm like, what are we going to talk about, Tom? And I'm like, this is, a, this is a wonderful day. It's a wonderful way to start the day. So thank you so much, Tom, for, for creating this space and for asking the questions that you did and just being an amazing human being. Wow. I'll take that to the bank. Let me, let me record that and, uh, and play that back like every morning, get myself hyped up. <laughs> There we go. Love it. Yeah. And, and we're, by the time this airs, right, we'll be coworkers, I imagine. So yeah, I know. I know. We'll have to put this in the company Slack channel or something. A hundred percent. We'll upload it. We'll upload it into the gong instance, send out the transcripts. It'll be great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for joining. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thanks for listening to that episode of the millennial sales podcast. Uh, again, the one thing you can do head over to Apple and give us a five-star review. That's what helps us grow this show. Otherwise, hit me up on social media, Tommy Tahoe on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, Tom Malema on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, have a great February. Peace.